Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Episode 179 for the love of the game on the Believe Podcast Network is brought to you by Bet Online. Football is back. We're in the thick of it, whether it's college football, NFL, football is definitely back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And Bet Online also is your continued source for all your sports wagering info. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long for all the major sports, NBA right around the corner, NHL has already kicked off. Major League Baseball playoffs, tennis, boxing, and even golf, MMA as well. Head to betonline.ag and receive 100% on your first deposit. Use promo code BLEAV. That's B-L-E-A-V to get 100% on your first deposit. Again, promo code B-L-E-A-V to get that bonus. Bet online where the game starts with that said episode 179. For the love of the game, let's get this work. It's Liddy in the city again. You know what it is when you hear that. Say less. Hey. Been through hell and back, but didn't pray less. Hey. Never been stingy with a paycheck. Let's get it then. All my brothers eating like the Wayans. The they ask me for my help, I tell them say less. Been through hell and back, but didn't pray less. Never been stingy with a paycheck. All my brothers eating like the Wayans. Say less energy. They ever need my help, I tell them say less. I just do more and say less. Money talking for me, baby, I'm having to say less. Shorty wanted low main, and she be going low main. So I'ma need the private room. Dara told me say You know what it is? We're back. Episode 179 for the love of the game with yours truly, Aaron Tobin Hess. ATH back in the saddle, back behind the mic. We're on the Believe Podcast Network. You know the deal. Good to be back. Good to be back. There's a lot to talk about. Obviously, we are in the thick of Jewish holiday season, so it affects my recording schedule. Like, we were supposed to do a Rangers preview. Unfortunately, we didn't get the opportunity to do that because Rangers season has started. They're already 1-0. The outlook for the Rangers is really good. I mean, I've been saying it for weeks now. They are New York's best shot at a world championship. They're going to be a really good team. They're a fun team to watch, but didn't get an opportunity to do a full Rangers preview. We are going to be talking Rangers a little bit later on in the calendar year with a recurring guest. Hopefully we're going to have him on. He's a busy man, but we're going to get him back on Mr. Johnny Lazarus. Hopefully get him on sooner rather than later. Talk a little Rangers because they are the best team in New York and has the best title chances for the city of New York. The New York Yankees, we were supposed to do a playoff preview, but because again, Monday, Tuesday gets knocked out. It's tough. Wanted to talk to my guy, Andrew Sender. We were maybe going to talk tonight after game two, a little reaction. Yankees won game one, but it's being pushed to Friday. So not really great scheduling-wise for yours truly the last couple of weeks, but we're getting it done anyway. But Tuesday night, Rangers money line parlay with the Yankees. New York special was a winner. You got to love that. Garrett Cole pitched great. Harrison Bader, big home run. Anthony Rizzo, big home run. 1-0 Yankees. Game two will be Friday. We got Nestor Cortez against Shane Bieber. Now, because of the scheduling changes, it's going to affect the bullpen. It's going to affect the travel. We'll see how that goes. But honestly, it shouldn't matter. The Yankees should take care of business. The New York Giants, a team that took care of business this past Sunday. I know it's Thursday. 
You've probably heard a lot about the NFL array, but I still cannot believe what happened with the New York Giants on Sunday. I personally bet the Giants plus eight. I wasn't really sure who was playing quarterback. I just figured, you know, London games are a little weird. There aren't so many big spreads in terms of blowouts in London. It just doesn't happen because of the weird scheduling, the travel. But the fact that the New York Giants won the game outright against the Green Bay Packers is actually astonishing. Now, maybe the Green Bay Packers aren't as good as we thought they were going to be this year. That's possible. I know there are no Devontae Adams. Their defense, which was supposed to be one of the best units in the league, has taken a step back. Fine. All that, fine. But the story here is the New York Giants, all right? Daniel Jones played the best game of his career. I know some people are going to talk about his rookie year against Tampa Bay. Nonsense, all right? Nonsense. I don't care what the numbers say. If you watch the game, given the circumstances, given that he was coming off a sprained ankle, overseas in London, wasn't sure he was going to play, the fact that he's basically in a contract year this year because they declined his fifth-year option. No wide receivers. This is the worst wide receiver room in the National Football League, and he played his balls off. He was incredible in this game. He was accurate throwing on the run. He was accurate throwing from the pocket. What a game by Daniel Jones. Do I think he's the long-term solution for this team? No. However, however, it's very clear that the Giants are not going to be bad enough this year to pick in the top five of the draft. This is clear because the coaching staff and we're going to sing their praises in just a second, is way too good and is propping up this roster way too much that they're not going to be that bad. So are the Giants going to be able to be high enough to pick a, a high-level quarterback in the draft? That remains to be seen. If, in fact, they do, okay, fine. You're not going to cry about it as a fan. But Daniel Jones right now is making you think that they're going to possibly have to kick this quarterback's situation kick this can down the road and that's great because he's showed toughness and he showed moxie am i his biggest fan no but but you cannot deny how awesome he was on sunday and the stats may show about 220 passing yards no touchdowns no interceptions and that doesn't tell the whole story it just doesn't you have to watch the games you have to watch the games got to give him a lot of credit and those idiots on ESPN, on GetUp, I forget what her name is, and I should probably leave her name out of it because what she said that the Giants, who have been miserable and have had a miserable culture for the last six years, how they said that Daniel Jones is actively hurting this team by winning games because they need a solution to quarterback, that's crazy. That's crazy. And I readily admit that a part of me before the year wanted them to go 4-13. and I'm very open about that. And will I be so incredibly disappointed if they turn into pumpkins the rest of the year? No, because then we'll have our answer at quarterback. But for right now, for right now that they're playing good complementary football, you cannot say 
with a straight face that Daniel Jones is hurting the organization because they won't be able to pick top five in the draft. That's ridiculous. And that comes from somebody who's clearly never played a competitive sport in her life. If you look on Twitter at that clip on Get Up, Chris Canty looked at her like she was a crazy person, which she is, because that is so incredibly disingenuous what she said on television that morning. But whatever, who cares? Because the Giants are 4-1. and one. I don't know how they're 4-1, and one, but they are. A lot of it has to do with Daniel Jones playing mistake-free football. A lot of it has to do with Wink Martindale, the defensive coordinator, putting in a game plan that has really stifled the opponents. A lot of that has to do with, and I know we clown on him for his cap, you know, the cruelty that he did to the New York Giants. That is Dave Gettleman and how he butchered the salary cap so bad. But a couple of his draft picks have hit. Xavier McKinney's really good. Andrew Thomas is really good. Number 26, Saquon Barkley. We can debate all you want about them taking him where they took him in the draft. But it's very clear that when he's healthy, he is the best running back in the league and arguably one of the most talented running backs in the history of this sport. Those are all reasons why the Giants are 4-1. and one. But the main reason is they have a head coach. Brian Dayball is the real deal. You see it in the way the team just moves. Their energy is different, all right? He instills confidence in these guys. This roster is not a very talented roster, but he's propping them up tenfold, okay? He's propping up Daniel Jones. This wide receiver tandem group, whatever you want to call it, is horrific, but he's propping them up. Mike Kafka is calling a great game. Brian Dable has his fingerprints all over this offense. It's imaginative. It gets guys open. It's not super conservative. They play to win. It's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. Friend of the program and listener, Josh Shotskis, I'm going to give him a lot of credit. We were talking about it, and he said every team in the NFL, except for a couple, is geared to go four and four. And the coaching staff is the difference between six and two and two and six. Well, this is a prime example of that because if this was Joe Judge, they'd be 0 5. No doubt in my mind, they'd be 0 5. But Brian Dable's the real deal, and that's why they're 4 and 1. And you know what? I'm enjoying the hell out of it. I'm not going to apologize for enjoying the hell out of it. I bet the Giants' season win total under this year. If I lose it, so be it. Who cares? Because this is enjoyable. I haven't cared this much about a giant season past week two in six years. So this is very nice. It's a really nice change of pace. You can't say enough about the job that he's done. And that will transition into picks against the spread this week because the Giants, even though I didn't give them out last week as one of my selections, but I put them in separately, they're going to be one of my selections this week because this team plays hard. This team plays for each other. And the coaching staff is tremendous. What more can you say? What more can you say about this coaching staff? So we're going to get into picks against the spread. Last week, another two and three week. 10 and 15 overall. Really not great. I don't love this slate this week. But 
this is where we start to turn around. Had a slow start to last year also. We came on strong, finished, you know, about 52%, which is a little bit lower than I would like to, but we're going to hopefully get on the right track this weekend. Our number one pick is the New York Giants, plus five at home against the Baltimore Ravens. Home underdogs do well historically, especially earlier on in the year. The Ravens don't have a great defense. Wink Martindale knows Lamar Jackson because he came from Baltimore, and this Giants team is plucky. I wouldn't be surprised if the Giants won this game outright, which is crazy to say, but I have them plus five at home against the Baltimore Ravens. Two, the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm going back to the well. They hurt my feelings a lot last week in terms of picking them in Survivor, but they're playing the Indianapolis Colts. They are plus two and a half. Why should the Colts be favored against the Jaguars when the Jaguars routinely beat them up every time they play? So I'm going to take the Jaguars plus two and a half. The Bengals, they covered last week. I thought they were going to win outright, but they covered last week against the Ravens. I'm going back to the well again. Minus one and a half on the road against the Saints. I just don't think the Saints team is very good. So I'm going to take the Bengals minus one and a half. Four, I've got San Francisco minus five on the road against Atlanta. I know Atlanta is five and oh against the spread this year. I know because I bet Tampa Bay last week. I just think this San Francisco team is better than what they've shown. I think they can beat up on bad teams, and I think it's time for Atlanta to actually not cover a spread, so I've got them minus five on the road. And then five, I've got Tampa Bay minus eight on the road against Pittsburgh. I know I'm taking two road, three road favorites, I should say, three road favorites, but Pittsburgh may be the worst team in the league. So to recap, Giants plus five. Jags plus two and a half, Bengals minus one and a half, San Francisco minus five, and Tampa Bay minus the eight. Let's have ourselves a week. We are going to do NBA over-unders with a recurring guest in just one second. But one last thing I wanted to talk about. So the Redeem Team documentary is out on Netflix about the 2008 U.S. men's basketball team. Brought back the gold after the 2004 debacle. I absolutely love this team. I watched every single one of their games intently. I watched all the tournaments leading up to it. Coach K was fun in this documentary. Not a huge Coach K guy, but he was great in this documentary. Carmelo Anthony was really funny. I mean, a breath of fresh air. If I had to say somebody won the documentary, he did. Chris Bosh is funny as well. But, I mean, you can't go into this documentary without thinking about, you know, the fact that Kobe Bryant's no longer with us, which is crazy. It's still crazy, even after a couple of years. But Kobe was just a different animal. I know there's so many examples, and if you watch it, you could just tell his work ethic, the story about him working out at 4.30 in the morning. Like, his work ethic was tremendous. He was the clear alpha dog on that team. And he took them home in that game against Spain just guy was just so awesome. I, I, I think Kobe has been debated a lot in basketball discourse, basketball Twitter, but you can't 
overestimate just how important he was to that team. Uh, and another thing is just LeBron, when he was talking about it, like, it's funny because LeBron in the clips, when he was talking in the meeting rooms, sounded so much more authentic than he does now. I, I just, whatever. It, LeBron is just weird. But yeah, great documentary. Great watch. We miss Kobe Bryant. The guy was awesome. And anybody tells you otherwise is crazy, even though I do think Tim Duncan was a better career NBA player than Kobe Bryant. But whatever. With that said, we're going to do NBA over-unders. This is one of my favorite podcasts. This is going to run long. We're going to do all the teams. We're going to pick some locks. And we're going to do that with a recurring guest in just a matter of moments. So I talked about it in the monologue. I know I didn't talk about it in the monologue a lot in terms of the NBA, actual NBA talk in the monologue. But we're back because the season, I can't believe it already starts a week from yesterday because we're recording on a Thursday afternoon. So we're going to do NBA over-unders. This is one of my favorite things to do, and I got a special guest on. He was on not that long ago to talk about the Celtics head coach, which may factor into some of these projections. Avi Wexler is back. Avi, what's good, bud? How we doing? How's it going? It's great. Uh, fall weather, probably the best season, and it's right now like the best sports, uh, and argue, I, I'd argue the best sports month right now because you got football, basketball starting up, World Cup is coming, everything, ba- baseball playoffs, I would I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I wish the weather in Miami would act like Miami weather. But other than that, NBA is back. Basically, NHL is back. My Rangers are are looking good. NFL season's in full swing. And, yeah, it's, it's really crazy. So we're going to do over-unders. We're going to start with the Eastern Conference. But before we do that, I just wanted to ask you a quick question about the NBA as a whole. Sure. Because it's going to factor into how we how we pick this, and uh, and all the lines and all the numbers are going to be based on the Action Network and their and their website, what they have today. Um, would you say this is the hardest year to really predict these numbers in terms of betting over or under for win totals, just because of the sheer depth of the league? Because the league is deeper than it's ever been, yet at the same time. We have one incredibly transcendent NBA prospect and one tr- incredibly transcendent guard prospect that are going to be dictating just how the bad teams lose and how much they lose and, and how shameful it's going to get. So I feel like this year is harder than most years. Yeah, I, I fully agree with you. I think this is going to be one of those years where the top is going to be so tough, especially in uh, the Eastern Conference, and we can get into that. But, yeah, I, I agree with you fully. Like, because of the, uh, I guess, tide-changing abilities of the top two prospects in uh, Wembenyama and uh, Scoot Henderson, that uh, the teams that are going to be trying to bottom out for either of them are going to be really bottoming out. And that, in turn, is going to affect some of these other teams that either don't have the draft capital or don't have the – the need to, to tank, you know, some of these teams are going for that one seat because they know how important uh, home field, home court advantage is, let alone a, a good playoff spot. And I think that's going to be pushing the really good teams to be winning as many games as they can and the bad teams to be tanking as hard as they can too. And if you, and the way the lottery odds work now, right, where it's not as shameful as like the bottom, you know, bottom team gets 25%. It's evened out a little bit. 
But there are right. going to be teams that are going to be in that mid-tier where they're like almost playing game um, mm-hmm. ready that may be willing to drop out because of the evening of the odds where it's like we get a 20% chance at one of these two guys. Like we have to do this. Right, right. And and you can correct me on this if you know, but do you know how the rest of that draft class is supposed to be? Is it is it supposed to be a top-heavy draft class with – just the top two guys? or is Well, those guys are a cut above, ones? right? So Wimanyama is right, right. a cut above because he's basically the best prospect the NBA has seen since LeBron James. Like, it's absolutely freakish what we're seeing right now. Like, I'm convinced, totally he'd, be one of the, I'm convinced he'd be one of the 12 or 13 best players in the NBA if he played this year. Like, that's how, <laughs> nuts, that's how nuts this is. Like, it's really nuts. And Scoot Henderson is a notch below that, but he's one of the best guard prospects we've seen. Like sure. he probably would have gone number one in last year's draft. Yeah. And so, yeah, they have these two twins that are, I've seen a couple of clips. I haven't really deep dove into this year's draft, but you have those two guys at the top that, you know, I think Bill Simmons was talking about how a guy like Wimbanyama basically increases the value of your franchise just monetarily because how awesome he is by $250 million, and that's on the low end, right? So uh, this, I think it's a top-heavy class, but again, I'll get into that later on in the year. I can't focus on that right now. But I do, (laughs) obviously, Wimanyama and Scoot Henderson, because they played that awesome game against each other. The first game, we're going to throw out the second game because Scoot got hurt. He didn't really play. But the first game, you saw flashes from both those guys. You were like, holy moly. Um, and then there are these two twins. I'm forgetting what their names are. But I, I saw a clip on Instagram. I was like, well, well what's this? These kids mm. are freak athletes. Okay. Yeah, I, 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 didn't, get a, I didn't get to really uh, fully appreciate how good the other guys were because I was just kind of enamored with the Wembenyama and How can you not battle. be? So it was almost be? like – Right. So it's almost like, was there anybody else even playing in that game? But yeah, I mean, that's, ex- I'm exactly there with you. So yeah, I, I really think it's going to be an interesting uh, season for seeing how some of these teams a month into the season, how, when they start realizing, all right, it's time to bottom out versus, you know, maybe three months down the line, but yeah, it'll be, it'll be a really, really fun. And I think uh, you're going to see more of the, the shamefulness happening in the Western conference. I think there's a stark contrast between the good teams and the bad teams, like the really bad teams at the bottom of the West. The East, there's more of a gradual decline. But I also think the bad teams in the East, we're going to go through it, have young players that are going to want to build towards something. So it's just, I think you're going to see the more shameful tanking in the West from like the bottom three or four teams. And we'll, we'll get yeah. to them in a, in a little bit, but we're going to start with these. So I, I'm just so curious to see how this season is going to play out just because of that factor. Like I wish my favorite basketball team would just bottom out because I don't think we have anybody who's nearly going to be as good as any, either of those two guys, but we'll get to them in a second. So we're going to start with the Eastern conference and we're going to go by division just because it breaks it up a little bit easier. And we're going to start with the Atlantic division. All right, because mm-hmm. both of our favorite teams play in this Atlantic division. So we're going to start with the Boston Celtics because they right now have the highest over under total at 53 and a half. Yeah. Obviously, they've been in the news a little bit. Again, their division alone includes the 76ers, 
the Toronto Raptors, the Brooklyn Nets, and the New York Knicks. So, Avi Wexler, over under 53 and a half. What say you? Oh, and before you make that selection, we are sure. going to pick at the end of this five locks that yeah. you know for a that you have a great feeling that you're willing to lock up that you know it's going to, you know, those are going to be the numbers over and under. Other than that, we're just going to pick them over, under, and we're going to do five locks at the end. So over, sure. under, 53 and a half for the Boston Celtics. Uh, I think I'm going to have to take the under, and I think that's mainly because uh, of two things. One, uh, just the change in coaching, and I know that uh, even though it's Yudoka's assistant who's now running the show, still there was some staying power that Yudoka would have had in that second half last year that had them on this incredible run to where they ended up finishing um where let me just bring up the the numbers from last year they ended up finishing with 51 wins last year and that was after having an insane second half 27 at one point right so i i i find it really hard for them to repeat that uh so i'm going to definitely take the under and i also think that it's a team that is going to push less stress on some of the vets so that they can be a little bit more rested for the playoff run because they showed that they didn't really matter where they were in the uh, in the standings because they made it to the finals. So, like uh, you know, they won Game Sevens on the road. They won some tough Game Sixes on the road. So, to that, to me, I, I think for them, it's just about keeping the players healthy and so that they don't run a juice uh, down the line. So, I'm going to take the under comfortably there. I'm going to take the under as well. When I did the season standings preview, this was obviously before the Udoka news came out. So. Sure. <laughs> That rejiggles it a lot because, I mean, again, he was the emotional leader of that team. And it's just a lot of turmoil. Like, you don't like going into a season with tons of turmoil. Yeah. And it's not like I think it's going to sink the Celtics. I just don't think that that you can sustain that level of play after a finals loss like that with the coaching turmoil, with Robert Williams being out for a while, who made a huge difference in their defense – and I, I do think Brogdon's going to help them uh, when he stays healthy. But sure. between Udoka, Robert Williams, the East being deeper, and just the bad teams not being as bad, I'm going to go under as well. So that, yeah. then we move on to the Brooklyn Nets. 51 and a half for the Brooklyn Nets. What yeah, say that's you? A- that's I'm comfortably taking the under on that. Um, that's a, that's that uh, that honestly might even we can get into it. That could be a lock for me as an under. Um, just because Guess what? it's we're in, we're in lockstep <laughs> on this one. This yeah. is a hard under, and this will be one of my locks. Yeah, and I don't think we really need to even get that much into it because uh, I think as we've discussed before, the team is just so mercurial. You don't know what you're going to get with Kyrie Irving. You definitely don't know what you're going to get with Ben Simmons. And with KD's health and age, I just don't know uh, how many games he's going to be playing. And last year they finished 44 and 38. That was with all the turnover. That was with all the injuries. And that was with all the turmoil. So I'm not sure. I mean, do I think that on paper their team is good? Yes. But I don't think that, or as you said before, given how strong the East is, let alone that division, I think it's going to be tough for them to play defense and when you don't know how consistently you're going to have like two of your top three guys uh, night in, night out, I'm just not sure that uh, I can take that 50 wins. 
So the Ben Simmons lockdown defense clips in the preseason haven't gotten you super excited about the Nets prospects. You're telling me that preseason doesn't matter? Is that what you're telling me? That is exactly what I'm telling you. Yes, that's a yeah, a cra- crazy concept. But you know, all the highlight videos of Ben of Ben Simmons' PR team uh, showing him making like one or two jumpers and not showing all the air balls. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna comfortably take the under on uh, on Ben Simmons' threes and Ben Simmons' uh, shots. So, yeah, I uh, I'm gonna take the under as well. I, I don't put a lot of stock in preseason basketball, unless it's Julius Randle's uh, assist to turnover ratio only to stoke the propaganda of trying to trade him. Um, yeah. but other than that, wake me up when the games start. Okay, I'm- I have a question for you on this. If you had to bet over under game total versus win total, let's say, let's keep the number at the same. Does Ben Simmons play as many games as the- the nets are expected or the over-unders at. So it's at 50 and a half or whatever it is, 50? 51 and a half. Yeah. Does Ben Simmons play 51? What's more likely to happen? The nets win 51 and a half or that Ben Simmons plays 51 and a half? I think I would take Ben Simmons games played over the nets wins. Yeah. If I, if I had to, if I had to do it. I think so. I think so too. I think so too. I mean, there is an aspect of him trying to rehab his image as a basketball player, right? Like, he's going to want to be on the court. But I I just – it's a weird mix. And, you know, Kyrie's a wild card. And and as I've said multiple times on this show, like, Kyrie's not a winning basketball player unless he's playing with LeBron James. Like, he had the one year in Boston, the first year, and he didn't even play – that many games they ended up going to the eastern conference finals without him that year like he, he's just not a winning player so i'm going to take the right. under on the nets and i'm going to make it a lock the philadelphia 76ers 50 and a half joel Embiid, james harden who looks slim who's apparently saying the right things again i'm a james harden skeptic uh, but the number is 50 and a half. I have a very strong take on this one. What say you? Uh, I'm going to take the over. Uh, I think that th- I, this is going to be one of those years where Harden actually proves that he wants to be there. And I think when you take out the situation of how things ended with him in Brooklyn, which was just so weird, and the Houston thing, I think he really does want to win uh, and be there. Um, and I think that this is one of those scenarios where Doc Rivers is also pushing for him to maybe take a step back and let uh, Maxi and Embiid kind of be the two actual leaders of the team where James kind of is that scoring specialist that he became known as when he was uh, in, uh, in Oklahoma city, where we're not asking you to be the leader. We're just asking you to show up, play some offense, play some defense and like be invested in some regard. So I, I'm going to take the over for them. I really like Embiid and Embiid's clearly shown that he can stay healthy over long stretches of time. And even if he's not hundred percent, he's going to play through the pain. And I think that that team is, built around him to compete in the East. And yeah, I, I, I comfortably say 50 and a half over is, uh, is one of my locks as well. Well, I wish this was more interesting radio right now, or there's a little <laughs> bit more of a disagreement, but I am all over this for me. It's the over, even as the one of the biggest James Harden skeptics out there. I like what they did in the off season. Um, yeah. I think they got better around the edges with uh, De'Anthony Melton. Uh, I like that pickup. I like the P.J. Tucker pickup. Yeah, the contract's not going to look great for three years, but for one year it's going to look good. Um, 
I really like what this team is doing. I think Tyrese Maxey is going to take another step, and he was awesome last year. His yeah. three-point shooting, like, he was top five in three-point shooting percentage last year. Like, he is right. really good. Uh, James Harden can be the third best player on this team. Like, that's, in, in theory, a really good thing if he's going to be in shape and engaged. To me, I think I had them third in the East projected. I'm actually going to flip it. I'm going to have them to finish with the best record in the East. So this, to me, okay. is an over, and it's a lock. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I agree with you on the on the lock part. Um, I would still be wary about making them the favorites just because they have such a tough division compared to like the Bucks, for example. But yeah, I, I would say yeah, I uh, I I fully am on board on the on the Seventy Sixers, and I honestly I think that this is like the Embiid MVP year. The only thing is, is he did a lot of campaigning for that MVP last year, and it came off yeah. as annoying. So I'm not sure I would love his odds uh, to bet his MVP. I'm not sure what it is. I'm sure it's somewhere around like four to one or something. I haven't even looked, but it just, you know, voters are fickle like that, but that's a different conversation. All right. So the Toronto Raptors, 45 and a half. Uh, This is a very interesting team. It's a weird team. They're tremendously coached. Reigning rookie of the year, Scotty Barnes, Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, who had an awesome second half of the year, 45 and a half, what say you? And don't forget Thad Young, my guy. (laughs) Um, He's a great veteran. If (laughs) if there was a clip, we joke, but like these guys matter, right? Like he, and you know, they brought in another guy like that, Otto Porter. You know, these guys matter. Like Thad Young, there was a clip on Instagram going around. I think it was like maybe like the Rico Hines gym. And I don't take a lot of stock into the like the actual games. But the way he was talking to young players about just being an NBA player and being a vet and realizing that sometimes you're not going to be a star all the time. Like he's carved out a really nice career for himself. Like those guys matter. Yeah, and I think they they also picked up. They had two, they two, three. I'm looking at the roster right now. They have three rookies on the team this year: uh, Christian Coloco and uh, Ron Harper Jr. I, I mean, I think it's just going to be one of those tough teams that night in, night out, you're not going to be able to just put away win by 20 points. I think they're going to be a scrappy, good team. And you know, Barnes can make that next second year leap, and Onanobi's solid and. Yeah, they're always a team that's like lurking in the deadline, you know, whether, whether they're, they have assets, they have assets, they always have assets. Like they, they're a team that like, I don't know, if we could like, let's say the, the, the nets do end up like fizzling out and you know, they're not go and, and like KD wants out like, okay, KD for whoever. Sure. Like I, I could just, I could see them being one of those teams in the mix or if there's a team that's in the West, that's actually going to try to bottom out for Wembenyama or scoot that they go and grab, one of those like vets who's actually good, but is on a bad team so that the, that team can bottom out for more picks. I, 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 I'll take the over as well. Got the over. We're lockstep yeah. again. So, so far that's four for four in this division. Yeah. And I, you, they're just, you trust the infrastructure. Nick nurse yep. knows what he's doing now. Again, do I think there's a clear ceiling on this team? Yes. And people talk about Scotty Barnes as being like this transcendent player. Would I take him in a redraft over Cade Cunningham and Evan Mobley? No, I wouldn't. But even if he's like Draymond Green 2.0, 
that's still really, really good player, right? That's yeah. still a really, yeah. really good player. They're going to play hard every night. They're going to be weird and athletic defensively. Are they going to have trouble with the Giannis's and the Embiid's and the Jokic's, guys who are, like, just big? Yeah, sure, but guess what? Who doesn't? So yeah. does everybody else, right? Yeah. So it's just like uh, I'm going to take the over as well. I, I just – I have a tremendous amount of respect for Nick Nurse and what he's able to do. And Fred Van Vliet's a bulldog. And he's surrounded by, you know, length and size around him defensively. And he's good defensive guard himself. I'm going to take the over as well. And I know I, I said I like Philly to win that division and basically be the top of the conference. Mm-hmm. Their odds are pretty good for winning this division. So I'm just going to throw that out there. And at five, yeah, their, odds are, their odds are good, but like, come on, like they don't have. I would, they don't have anybody who is going to be like if you had to like do a first team or second team All right. NBA for that division. They're not. They don't have a guy on there except for maybe Barnes. You know, that's kind of where you need to have one yeah. of those guys. But yeah, I hear you. But if it, if it's a long shot, if you're looking, if you know you sure. got some, you know, some shekels to play, and you want to do a long shot, that's not a terrible long shot. Yeah, yeah. And now the fifth team in this division. My New York Knicks, the number is 38 and a half. What say you? I'm leaning, I'm leaning under there. I think that um, the problem with the, the Knicks are that they're the Knicks. Uh, and, you know, I know cream rises to the top, but I don't know what the opposite is, but I feel like the Knicks are just in that very tough division in a very tough conference and you know i just don't i didn't really like any of their offseason moves i really hated what they did around the draft where they were basically just like kind of shedding picks to shed salary and i don't know they still have this julius randall debacle they like who did you guys add ryan archidiacono you know like Jalen still on the team yeah i mean uh, Jalen brunson is like fine like i guess i just the max, the max that was given to Brunson, it was like you guys were like outbidding yourselves because I feel like nobody else was really going to go give that much money for him. But, you know, if you're trying to attract talent, you got to do it. I, build around RJ, totally. I don't know if Brunson schematically does that for you, but I just, other than Barrett, who else, who else is on this team that you feel really good about can on a night-to-night basis go toe-to-toe with a Jason Tatum or a uh, – even like a Chris Middleton, you know, I, I just, I don't know who on the, who on that roster really does that. So a couple of things, one, the Brunson contract, I don't think is going to look so bad when the, when the cap rises, because they're paying him basically $25 million a year. So I think sure. as much as I wasn't a fan of that move because they didn't have like a, an alpha dog to pair with him, it's not, that bad long term and I think he's a good player even though I don't think he's ever going to really be top 10 at his position um but yeah I'm gonna go under as well and for two reasons one I just think if you looked at the teams that we just named above them I think those are all you know they're they're clearly the fifth best team in that in that conference I should say in that division um one team's gonna have to go under so I think yeah. it's going to be them. Um, and until we get the breaking of the Tibbs-Julius Randall chain, I don't see 
a path forward, regardless for all the other stuff. Like, and again, I, I don't put a lot of stock into preseason, but but Obi Toppin's promising. Great. There's a ceiling there because Randall's there, right? RJ Barrett's yeah. promising as a number one option. Great. There's a ceiling there because Julius Randall's going to suck up possessions. Uh, sure. I, I like I like what Jalen Brunson does in terms of them having actual confidence at that position. But, you know, it's the Tibbs-Julius Randall thing. And I'm just dubious. Like, I'm just yeah. dubious. So I'm going to go under. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm with you there too. And I actually think they're better than they were last year. Right. I, I think I think the Brunson acquisition as lukewarm and that's putting it, you know, that's being polite as I was on it, not because of the player, just because of the circumstance. But it makes them better. Like they are better. I just think the conference as a whole is a, is better. And yeah, and they're just stuck with this this bromance between Tibbs and Randall and once it's done, we can really see what we have here. But that's that's the Knicks. I, I was so bitter in my last episode, so we're going to try and keep that to a minimum. So we're in agreement on all teams in the Atlantic. Uh, five for five in agreement. The Central Division. Let's start with the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, 52 and a half. What say you? I'm surprised that they're – actually the lower odds than the Celtics just because Me they're going to be a better team. I think on pay, at least on paper, they have the, they have their, their, they still have their head coach. They'll have Middleton back. I feel like they added some good pieces. Let me just, if you just give me a sec, I feel like they added one or two solid pieces. Joe in the Ingles. Season. Yep. Ingles who I like. Uh, and would have been good for your Celtics, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, but again, I coming off that. an injury, coming off an yeah. injury, you gotta, you gotta be wary. Yeah, and they locked up Pat Connaughton, who I think is good for them, like in what yes. he does for them. Uh, you know, they have Serge Ibaka, who's solid, and Wes Matthews. I, I feel like they just have a they have a very just solid team built around Giannis, and the fact that they'll have Middleton and Drew Holiday back with this team, I feel like they should be fine. I'm like worried about their like secondary unit, like if they have guys who can actually score, but maybe that's maybe there's hope that Ingles actually. Got some good uh, rehab in, and then he'll uh, he'll be good. But yeah, I I think that they'll be the top team in the East, and I'm taking the uh, the over comfortably on this uh, on this team. I have the over as well. So so far yeah, we're yeah. six for six. I wish this was a yeah. little bit more interesting. Um, I I always believe that if they were healthy, I thought they were the best team last year. Uh, I I think I'm not sure they're going to go full throttle in the regular season. So I, I think Philadelphia will have a better record because I think Philadelphia will have a little bit more to prove. You know, once you win a title, sure. you kind of know what's up. You don't have as much to prove. I think they will be back in the NBA Finals, and I anticipate them winning the NBA Finals. But, yeah, I, I don't see how this team, unless Giannis is missing 35 games, goes under 52 and a half if they're going to be a yeah. top three seed in the conference. Right. Fully with you there. Fully with you there. So now we go to the Chicago Bulls. The number is 42 and a half. A lot of talk about the Bulls uh, with the Lonzo Ball issue. Uh, you know, the knee injury is not looking great. But when, yeah. Car and when Caruso was healthy last year, they played really well. Um, 
but he missed a lot of games. They were really good in the first half of the year, but again, the injury bug uh, came back to bite them, and they were average at best in the second half of the game. Or I should say second half of the season. 42 and a half, what say you? I'm taking the under, and that actually might be one of my locks too. Uh, I just, I really, I feel like they had such like a nice Cinderella story, or I guess like the carriage turned back into a pumpkin at midnight. And I feel like as good as DeMar DeRozan was last year and having his like career year, I feel like they don't really have the pieces in that division, let alone this conference to get back to where they were last year. They had 46 wins. So I'm going to, I'm going to take the under, especially with the health concerns and the age questions on some of their starting players. We have our first disagreement. All right. It took six, it took seven teams to get there, but we're there. I'm going to take the slight over. <laughs> Do I think they're going to win more than 45 games? No, but okay. I think they can win 43 or 44 games and mm-hmm. be in that play in tournament seven seed range. I just don't think they have an incentive to tank. Remember, they 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 owe their pick to Orlando yeah. this coming draft, and it's t- unless it's top four protected, they have no they have no incentive to tank unless they're going to go really in the tank because it's top four protected. But again, Demar Derozan, Zach Levine, you know Vooch, those guys aren't going to just tank that much, right? So I think they're going to win right, right. slightly over. So you know, even if Derozan is eighty five percent as he, good as he was last year like that's still a team that's going to be a couple of games over 500 I think yeah I, I think they'll be over 500 I just I, I think like yeah well actually I, I guess I don't think it'll be over 500 right. I, I think they'll be hovering I think they'll be hovering 500 I just think that their division is better with the Pistons and the Cavs uh going into this season which is why uh I, I would take the under so let's move to the the Cleveland Cavaliers obviously the big news was Donovan Mitchell, mm-hmm. um, Evan Mobley, another year. Their number is 47 and a half over under. I want to, I want to take the over because I do think they're that good. And they won 44 last year. And I feel like a lot of that just kind of attributed to the fact that they were missing Mobley uh, at certain points and they were kind of still figuring out who they were. A lot but of games think, Jared Allen missed at the end of the year. Yeah, that too. So I, I feel like, you know, if we're playing, we're playing the, we know injuries happen, but let's just say in a, in a vacuum, I'd say I, I would take the over only because Donovan Mitchell adds another element on their offense. Mobley gets another year better. Jared Allen's going to be back. Yeah, I'm going to, I'll take the over. We're in lockstep on this one. I'm going to take the over yeah. as well. When Jared Allen was healthy, they played at a 51 pace last year. Yeah. Now, yeah. will there be some clunkiness between Garland and Donovan Mitchell? Maybe just figuring stuff out. But again, sure. Garland had to do it all last year, right? He had to create offense for everybody. And now he doesn't mm-hmm. have to do that. And I know people like to clown on Donovan Mitchell a little bit. But, like, Donovan Mitchell is fourth in the NBA in the last five years in terms of fourth quarter points. Yeah. Uh, he's seventh all time in playoff scoring. So I know he's gotten a little trigger happy. And part of the reason sure. was probably that he wanted out of Utah more than he would ever say. And was his defense a little shameful last year? Yes. But like, he's still really good. 
All right? He's really, really good, which is why I'm frustrated that the Knicks didn't get him. But whatever. We're not crying <laughs> over, over spilled milk. Yeah. I just think Mobley another year, if Jared Allen's healthy, they have four all-star caliber players, like legit all-star caliber players this year. I think the talent wins out. It may look a little weird early, but I think they're going to ascend, be a team ascending into the playoffs. So I'm going to take the over on 47 and a half. Yeah, I I think it's a good call. I think I think they'll I think they'll be the second best team in the division behind the Bucks, and they could end up being like a four seed, right? Yeah, no, I agree. I absolutely agree. The Detroit Pistons, twenty nine and a half. Well, what did they finish with last year? I'm going to take the over because I feel like last year. Let me see. Last year, they last year they were twenty three and fifty nine. Yeah, I'm taking the over. I think that they're a team that isn't going to be in the tank this year because I don't think that they'll be close enough to be as bad to get Wembenyama, and I don't think they'll be good enough to get they'll be they they don't really need Scoot uh, just because they have Cade there. And I actually like some of the moves that they made in the off season. Um, I like that they have Bogdanovich. I like that they have Jaden Ivey, obviously, who people are saying might even might have even been the best pick in the draft. The fact that he fell to them was crazy. Uh, and then Cade was just so good last year, so fun to watch. Uh, Jalen Duran, if he's – I know he's a rookie and he's only 18, but, you know, 6'11", like, can he be, like, one of those, like, two-way stretch kind of centers? Like, possibly, like, you know, I, I, I like that team a lot. I also like Hamidou Diallo. He's a fun player, too. I'm a, I'm a big Diallo fan. Um, and then, you know, there's some veteran leadership with Kemba Walker there. I'm not sure what's going to happen with him in his NBA career. He may get bought out and – you know, he could be playing in China for the Shanghai Sharks. But, like, you know, as, as it stands right now, I, I like that team. I like Sadiq Bey, too. Uh, they're, like, a good young team. I don't think that they'll win more than 35 games, but I think that they can get up there. Sure. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. And this is a lock for me. Yeah. Over. Fair. Fair. I think Cade Cunningham is awesome. I yeah. think he's really awesome. and. This is a bet on him. I like Jaden Ivey. I think Jaden Ivey is, you know, really, really nice player. Um, mm-hmm. I like Isaiah Stewart for them. I like that they brought in Bogdanovich, who's a who's a veteran. You know, there are some pieces there. I, I like the reclamation project they did with Marvin Bagley. But this yeah. is a bet on but this is a bet on Cade Cunningham. And I actually think that they're gonna be in the mix for a playing tournament spot. That's how high I am on on Cade Cunningham, and yeah, so this to me, if you're going to be in the play-in tournament mix, it's an over. Yeah, I'm I, I'm fully with you there. They're re- they're going to be a really really fun team to watch. Um, and as you said, leading up at the at the at the lead up on the pod, it's just it's going to be a it, the NBA is getting better, and it's a good thing, right? You want good yeah. basketball, you want teams to be trying, and I'd rather have a good Pistons team. Like growing up. The Pistons were a really fun team to watch. Maybe it's just the colors. Maybe it was just because they had Ben Wallace and Chauncey Billups and Rip Hamilton and Rashid. But, you know, having a good Pistons team, I feel like, is a good thing for the NBA. Yeah. No, no question. All right. So the last team in the Central Division, the Indiana Pacers, unloaded a couple of guys, mainly Malcolm Brogdon. They have Miles Turner on the trade block for the fourth straight year. Buddy Heald is on the trade block. They have a really interesting rookie in Benedict Matherin, who I'm super high on, but their over-under is 23 and a half. Avi Wexler, what say you? 
I think that this is going to be one of the over teams um, only because they have so many fun guys and they're, I would say being led by Halliburton, who's just a really, really big competitor. Uh, and I feel like Indiana is just one of those like organizations where they don't tank. They, they're not good enough at tanking. They don't embrace the tank as much as uh, other teams in their position might, even though they have all these really fun, interesting players. And I'm also high on Matherin. Uh, and as it stands right now, I don't see them moving uh, Buddy Hill to Miles Turner unless they're wowed by some offer. But, you know, they only do that if they're going to embrace the tank. So I'm going to take the over, barely, but I'll take the over. We're going to disagree for the second time. Okay. I'm taking the under. I know all the things that you said about they don't embrace the tank. But I think this year is different. I think I think all these teams that are going to be, you know, in the real bottom of their respective conferences are going to, even if they haven't before, just because of the tantalizing prospect of bringing on Victor Wembanyama. I sure. think that eventually the Lakers are going to cave and offer the two first-round picks uh, and Westbrook's contract for Heald and Miles Turner. And I think yeah. that may be the best the Lakers can do in terms of uh, return. So I, th I think the Pacers will be shipping those guys out. So to me, this was an under. It was almost a lock for me. But the only reason why it's not a lock is because Rick Carlisle gets guys to play hard. And he does. I think they'll be spunky. I just think it's it's an under for me. Yeah, I I, I guess I'm having trouble with it because I, I do agree with you that in all likelihood – uh, th those that's going to be a team that's going to be a seller at the deadline, just assuming the price is right. And I think maybe I just don't want Wembenyama to be a pacer because I think it would just look weird for him to be there. And it would also be fun if Wembenyama was in the West. I think it's just really cool when you have unicorns kind of spread out throughout the league and, you know, having uh, Embiid, Mobley, and Giannis in the East and then having Jokic, Luka to an extent, although he, he's not a center, and uh, Wemby in the West would also just be really fun to have it all spread out. Um, but yeah, I, it's a good point you made about Carlisle too. Uh, I wish that the Celtics got him, you know, had this Udoka news, maybe, uh, broken in a different way. Maybe Carlisle would be the coach instead. Um, but I also think Carl is the type of guy who would be okay with the tank. I mean, he was there when, um, when Luca was there, if I'm correct. So I, I, and I think he's good at getting a lot out of players. Does he rub players the wrong way? Does it go stale? Yeah, but that happens with all the coaches, right? It's just a matter of time. And I think, if you want to have a good culture in Indiana, which they do, I think they should embrace the tank and go for a Webinyama or even a Scoot Henderson. And they have other pieces there who look like they want to be there and play basketball in Halliburton and uh, Mathurin. So I'm with you there. Uh, I would I would like them to to be you know a, a, a tanking team. I just don't think they will be. But I agree to disagree. Carlisle has enough cachet in the organization that it's not like his job security is a question. So, totally agree. Totally so agree. he would be a guy that would be like, all right, listen, we're going to get the young kids to play hard. We want to see Halliburton take the next step, even though I don't think Halliburton nearly has the ceiling that everybody no. said he did when that trade was made uh, for Sabonis. I've made my case on this numerous times. But I think Benedict Matherin's interesting. I think he's he's fun. I'm interested to see what they're going to do with uh, Turner and Heald, especially because Turner has 
basically this is this is his last year on the deal. Uh, Heald's got one more year after this. Uh, if there was ever a team that was going to embrace a tanking situation, I, I think Indiana is one of those teams. So I'm going to go under. Moving on to the Southeastern Division. The leaders in this division are the Miami Heat. Right now, their number is 48 and a half. Avi Wexler, what say you? I'm taking the under, and I think that's actually going to be one of my locks. Um, I really don't know what the Heat did this offseason to improve on some of the glaring weaknesses that they had in their team. Uh, other than people saying, let Bam cook. Uh, you know, I heard people say, let Russ cook and look what happened to the Broncos. Uh, I've heard people say, let Russ cook in the NBA for Russell Westbrook and look what happened to Russ. Uh, I don't think letting Bam cook will do that much. I don't really understand the hero max only because I don't think he deserves it. Maybe that's just because I think hero looks like a punk sometimes, but no, I think, uh, I'm going to take the under. I just don't think that they did enough as a team, despite the quote unquote heat culture to, to make it uh, to 48. I think they'll be, they'll still be a good team, but I think they're closer to like a 45 win team uh, barring some off season, not off season, some mid season move. Uh, but I also just don't even know what their, I don't know what their draft capital is like. So if they really want to, could they go get a buddy yields, you know, is Oladipo, going to be what old Oladipo used to be like, or is he going to be what he was? Uh, I don't know what I'm going to get out of Kyle Lowry. Like he stay on the court and I'm not really sure what they did to address uh, their secondary their secondary scoring. So I'm going to, I think they will be a 45, 46 win team. Uh, and they will be one of those teams that kind of rests veterans to make that playoff push like last year but I just don't really see it to to 48 wins this year. I hear all the things you said, and I agree. Um, The really only thing that they did was bring back Tyler Hero. They re-signed him. They got him locked up. Uh, I see all the concerns. And even with all that said, I'm going to take a slight over. And that's because of the respect I have for Eric Spolstra. You didn't think that they were going to be the number one seed in the East last year, but guess what? They were 53 and 29 last year. Sure. And Bam missed a lot of games. I I just, I don't know why they're that much worse. I get that the rest of the league is better. The rest of the East is better, but I don't know why they're that much worse. And if they get anything at a Kyle Lowry in terms of being healthy and being in better shape. I know he missed a lot of time last year for some personal issues, um, some family stuff. It'll it'll just be a bonus. So I'm going to take the slight over with the Miami Heat. Okay. I I, I, I just want to push back a little bit on that, though, only because I I feel like their best players are all at that age where you will see the decline a little bit closer. And I feel like with Butler especially, because of how hard he plays – in the postseason, I feel like they're going to be managing his minutes a little bit more and his usage just because they know that they need him to be at 100% yeah. for them to get back to where they even were last year. And as even if they do get Bam back and Hero 
kind of takes a takes a, a leap up from the slump that he had last year. I just I don't feel like they have the real depth that they have had in uh, recent years, and maybe even losing PJ Tucker to an extent uh, does have some effect on them. I'm not sure. If there was ever a team that could find more guys like Max Struess, yeah, and, fair. and Martin, and get these guys to play and play well, Gabe Vincent, it's them. So that's I, that's I don't want to ever bet against Eric Spolstra and Pat Riley. The yep. Atlanta Hawks. But by the way, it's good that we disagree. It's been it's been only three teams that we've disagreed on. It's in been these pretty chalk. Yeah, make this a little bit more interesting. The Atlanta yeah. Hawks. Next team up, 45 and a half. They traded for DeJounte Murray. They've got some John Collins issues. Will he be traded? Will he not be traded? Looks like he won't be traded. 45 and a half, Avi Wexler, what say you? Yeah, I was looking at this before. I think it's really tough only because I don't see the fit with Murray and Trey. And adding in that piece, as you said, where you don't know what you're going to get out of Collins, is he going to be there or not when he's probably your second or third best player? Where does this team go? And just even defensively, how does this team operate in a, in a, in a conference, especially that has so many good guards and bigs? I, I want to, I want to take the under because I don't think that they're going to have it all figured out, especially early on. I don't think it'll be under by a lot. I just think that they'll be closer to 45 than they will be to 47. Fair. And I agree with you. And I'm more bullish on the Murray-Trey backcourt, the pairing. I, I think there's a, there's a lot of stuff that they want to ease Trey Young a little bit because I think Trey Young's a little bit difficult to play with. So bring in DeJounte Murray, a guy who he respects, that will force Trey Young to be a little less heliocentric. And with all that said, I still am going to take the slight under. Yeah. Yeah. And they may be better than they were last year, but I'm still going to sure. take the slight under, which is yeah. which is funny because we, we've said that a couple of times. Like, oh, they may be better than they were last year. Under, which I think is very funny. <laughs> yeah. Next up, the Charlotte Hornets, 36 and a half. Had a little bit of a tumultuous offseason. Uh, the Miles Bridges situation is not great. Hoping nope. that they uh, trade for Julius Randle, which I'm not even <laughs> sure would affect my position on this. This is one of my locks. Avi Wexler, what say you? Over or under? I think this is like the lock of locks that I'm taking under. And if I could, I would lock for like under like 32 wins, maybe even 30, 30 wins if the odds are good enough. I think this is going to be one of the, if not the premier uh, tanking team in the conference. I think that this is the worst division in the East in terms of all the teams that could be tanking or just are going to be bottoming out. And, you know, based on where they are organizationally, not just to not to mention what happened with Bridges, who was really a promising player. I just don't really see it with this team. I, I don't see how you could give this team more wins than the Pistons, right? That to me, no, that makes no I, sense. I don't see it. I don't see the path either. No way. Yeah. So I, I would comfortably take the under. They're going to be one of those teams who's probably a buyout candidate for Russ. You know, they'll be thrown in a three teamer to get him going, or as you said, maybe Randall. I. 
I just think that this is a team that's going to be trying to acquire assets, play some of their younger guys. I'm not really sure how much I really do love LaMelo. Uh, I just, I want, I want to know if he's just a taller Trey young or if he actually does want to win, you know? So I'm, I'm going to take the under. I'm just, I'm going to comfortably take the under. That's an easy lock for me. You and I are in agreement. It's a lock for me. I will play devil's advocate only for the sake of this radio segment. Sure. When Gordon Hayward is healthy, they're pretty good. Again, that's with Miles Bridges. But when Gordon Hayward was healthy for them, you know, they, they've played better than you would think that they would play in terms of record-wise. But you can't bet on Gordon Hayward being healthy. I don't, I don't like the vibes on this team. The Miles Bridges thing is really unfortunate and stinky. And I think Terry Rozier is going to be traded. Um, I, I don't see a lot of the, you know, I, I think playing guys like James Booknight for them, it would be a good idea to see what they have in him. Uh, same with the, uh, the center, Mark Williams from, from Duke. Yeah. I just, they yeah. should be going the other yeah. way. I don't see a path forward unless they want to trade for Julius Randle, even if the Knicks have to attach a first round pick. I'm all for it, but this to me is a lock. All right, the Wizards, 35 and a half. Over on the smash, Smashing that under. I live in the district. Not a single person has said anything positive about the Wizards in years. I think the, the, <laughs> only, the only talk that's been made about any of the Wizards has been the resurfacing of the John Wall Dougie video. Uh, I couldn't be less in on this team. I think Denny Avdija stinks and... I wish that we had more good Jewish basketball players, but I've seen him live. I don't see it. He looks like he could maybe be the second string on the YU team. I'm smashing the under. I'm so out on the Wizards. It's, it's, a, it's abominable. It's abominable. So I've gone back and forth on this one because I think Bradley Beal is in a weird slash not weird spot where it's like he's saying how much he wants to still be there, but I feel like if they start out two and seven, he's going to be like, get me the hell out of here. Even though he signed an extension that was way overpriced. Uh, right. I do, exactly. I do think the discourse around Kristaps Porzingis and his value has now tilted the other way. It's like, now he's underrated. Yeah. Like he's not yes. horrible, right? Like he's no. not horrible by any stretch. Um, yeah, yeah. So I'm actually going to go slight over. Okay. Only, only because now again, do I think they're going to win more than 37 games? No. But I think Bradley Beal is like an all, you know, a third team all NBA caliber player. I think Kristaps Porzingis is not terrible. Um I'm not sure they have the willingness to tank even though they probably should. You know what? You, I take that back. You sold me. I'm going to go under as well. Won't be a lock, but I'm going to go under as well. Don't they just – they're just like the proverbial, like they always will will tank, but like the league will never like tank, help them tank enough so that like even if they did a full tank job, they'll still get like the ninth pick, you know? Like they're always going to be picking like ninth, maybe eighth, but like they're always just they're, – they're never going to be the team that's going to get gifted – number one pick again that's just kind of where i'm at like right 
I feel like that. Sounds like NBA an awful, like, you know what? We gave you wall. <laughs> sounds an go, awful go, go. lot like a team I root for that, you know, got Patrick Ewing yeah. in 1985. So, and haven't gotten the number one pick since. But Cleveland can get it four times in five years. So, whatever. Yeah, no, I'm going to go under on the Wizards <laughs> uh, as well after being swayed by you. Um, originally, it was going to go slight over, but I'm going to go under. All right, our last team, the Eastern Conference. The Orlando Magic, 26 and a half wins. They got the number one pick. They selected Paolo Bancaro. Franz Wagner was a very impressive rookie for them last year. Avi Wexler, over under, 26 and a half. What say you? This is one of my locks for an over team. I don't think I really had like more than one or two locks for an over team in the East so far, but I kind of like this team. I feel like they're like a really frisky, to use the, the Bill Simmons term, frisky uh, league pass team. They just have all these fun guys. Ben Caro is really, really fun to watch. I really liked watching him at Duke. I really like Franz Wagner. They have some really fun pieces there. I like... Um, What's his name? The guard. Uh, Suggs? Uh, Suggs, but no, Cole Anthony, too. I, I, they're, like, Cole Anthony's got that dog in him. I don't know why I like him so much, but I really like Cole Anthony. Uh, and they also have uh, Wendell Carter, if I'm correct, right? Yes. I, they I think that's absolutely a demolished the Bulls in that trade. They got yeah. the pick that became Franz Wagner. They're owed, again, as we mentioned before, earlier in the segment, they're owed a... 2023 first round pick if it's not top four protected i think it rolls over into another pick they got wendell carter jr all of that for booch yeah i mean i think they rolled in that trade and i I think they're going to be a fun team to watch they're young they're like another pistons team people are counting them out already when i think they're in a pretty bad division as is and i think they're going to be a fun team they have really fun pieces and Suggs, you know i i hope he's good i think he's fine like if Suggs becomes like a Malcolm Brogdon type of player for the league, for in this league, like that's good for them, right? I, I I'm not asking him to be Tony Parker, you know. I'm just at, I'm saying, can you contribute to the rest of the team? Can you distribute the ball and run an offense and then play some defense? That's all I'm asking. So I I like I I like this Magic team. To end out the Eastern Conference segment, we are in agreement. And it's a lock for me as well. There we go. This team is too good to tank. And they've got too many promising young players to tank. And as great as Wimbanyama is, and he would be unbelievable on this team, I just think they're in a position to try and build up the confidence of their young players, and they're going to play themselves out of the sweepstakes. I think this team's going to be pretty good. I'm higher on Jalen Suggs than most. Mm -hmm. I think he can have a Drew Holiday-like career. Sure. Yeah, hey, I mean, Um, who wouldn't take that? Franz Wagner is a really nice player. If Bancaro is what they say, like, this team's going to be good. Wendell Carter Jr. is good, like, they can also, like, would it shock me if they were the 10th seed in the East? No. No. And for that reasoning, like, 26 and a half is really too, way too low. Way too yeah. low. 
Yeah, I'm with you. I'm totally with you. I, I feel like right now, for your money, if you really wanted to parlay it, I would parlay the overs for Detroit and uh, Orlando with the under for um, for Charlotte. And that must be pretty good money. Yeah. I, I don't have it in front of me. But like that right now, if I had to put – and then like if you wanted to put the over on Philly – which I think you were pretty bullish on as well. Yes. I feel like that's a that's a very good Eastern win total parlay. And not just that, play, to parlay the Pistons and the Magic to be in the playing tournament? Yeah. Oh, I mean. That's yeah. ambitious, but it's not. Like, crazier things have happened. Like, I, I just think that, you know, they're, they're very promising Orlando. Like, when I saw that number – a lot of the numbers were seemed to be very accurate. Like Charlotte's 36 and a half. Obviously, I looked at that. I was like, whoa, that's way too high. And Orlando's, I looked at it the same way. And I was just like, that's way too low. Yeah. I mean, you know, you and I are both are both uh, both scholars. I forget where it's said in Pierre Avo, but I, it, someone did say in Pierre Avo, scared money don't make no money. So I have to say, like, if there was ever a time to put some money down, we can do some more research when we go through the Western Conference. Uh, but I think we should definitely – we can give some tasty licks for the listeners uh, on a good parlay for uh, some of these over-under totals. All right, so we will end on that note. Part two, Western Conference is coming soon. It's hard to not end a segment when it, when we're quoting Pierre Kayavo, so that's pretty good. Stay tuned <laughs> for part two. Western Conference over-unders of Avi Wexler. Avi, we'll speak to you soon, bud. All right. Sounds good, Aaron. Later. All right. We're back. Part two, NBA over-unders. Avi Wexler is back. We're switching over to the Western Conference. We are going to start with the Northwest Division. Um, And right now, we're going to kick it off with the Denver Nuggets. The Denver Nuggets, 49 and a half. This is another team that I feel very, very strongly about which way I'm leaning. Avi Wexler, what say you? Um, as my second favorite team in the uh, in the NBA behind That's my Boston correct. Celtics. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to easily lean on the over 49 and a half. I know the West is tough, but I think it's just tougher kind of in the middle as opposed to at, at the top. And I feel like the Nuggets are going to be a lot healthier this year. They'll be getting back both uh, Murray at full strength and maybe Michael Porter Jr. Uh, I like some of their offseason ads. And, you know, Jokic is the back-to-back MVP. Say what you want about him, but he's just too big to fail, as they say. So I'm going to take the over uh, comfortably on them. The Denver Nuggets went 48-34 and 34 last year. Mm-hmm. With no Jamal Murray the entire year, Michael Porter Jr. missed basically the entire year. If you looked at some of the lineups that Jokic was playing with, it was laughable which is why he won the MVP. This number was another one of those numbers that made absolutely no sense to me because Jokic basically is worth 50 wins by himself, as we've seen. Last year, 48. The year before that, they were on a 50-win pace. It was a shorter season. For the last four years, it's basically been this way. Fully healthy, they've got guys who are going to contribute. I thought they had one of the best off-seasons of any NBA team, bringing in Bruce Brown, a guy who's a really good cutter, a good defender. Sure. Uh, good cutter to play off of Jokic. That always works. 
KCP, a good spot-up shooter, defender to play off of Jokic. This number makes no sense to me. This isn't a stone-cold lock for me on the over, and I actually think they're going to have the best record in the Western Conference. I love that pick, too. Yeah, I, I think I think they'll be the one seed for sure. It's either them, between them and Memphis for me. But, yeah, I think it's a great call. Moving on, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Also at 49 and a half, over under 49 and a half, Avi Wexler, this is a team. For those who don't know, traded a lot of stuff for Rudy Gobert. Another year of Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns. What say you, over under? I'm going to take the under just because I don't really like the trade for them. I don't really understand the fit, uh, having Towns and Gobert on the floor together. And... I'm not really sure if they are a team that is deep enough to make some uh, make make some big wins happen or, or have some uh, nice stretches over the course of the season. I think they'll be a really interesting team to watch, but I feel like 49, 49 and a half, as you said, is a little too rich for me. So I'm going to take the under. I am going to go slight over. Slight okay. over. I don't feel good about it. I think they're going to do some – I mean, I think they're going to be a really good defensive team in the regular season. I believe that, you know, Gobert, say what you want about him, and everybody knows I'm his – you know, one of his biggest critics. Mm-hmm. But his teams do produce well in the regular season wins-wise. Uh, he's an you know uh, advanced stats darling. The fit with Towns is interesting, but I think Gobert's minutes are going to go down. You're going to see a lot of Towns at center. I think you're going to split them. I think Anthony Edwards is going to take a leap. And I do think that they'll have the benefit of racking up wins against the bottom feeders of the West because, as we said, there are more bottom feeders, sure. three bottom feeders in the West than there are in the East. So I'm going to go a slight over, but I don't love it. Up next, we have the Portland Trailblazers, 39-and-a-half. Injury-riddled year for Damian Lillard. He's back. They bring in Jeremy Grant. Uh, Anthony Simons, promising young player, signs a a nice extension. Over under 39-and-a-half, what say you? Uh, Also, don't forget uh, Danny H. Draft, darling Justice Winslow. Is, uh, is on the team now, and uh, Gary Payton II is uh, is helping in that backcourt. So I'm going to take the over. I, I think they're going to be a competitive team. Uh, I forget who it was who came out recently. It might have been Lillard himself, but there's somebody on the team who said that uh, they're not tanking for Wemby, which I, I love that effort because I don't think the players really want to tank. Uh, and I think that with Dane being back fully after what was a really weird down year with injuries and trade rumors and contract extension issues. I feel like now that they have that all sorted out, I think they're going to be a competitive team in the, in the division uh, and in the conference overall, maybe even a play-in team. Um, But yeah, I'm going to take the over. Third team in, and we're disagreeing on the West because I'm going to take the under. I just, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that, that they got significantly better. I think the top of the West is, you know, is super stacked. I just don't think this team's deep enough. I, I don't – I'm not mm-hmm. sure what they're doing with the, um, you know, the second unit. If, you know, Dame's getting up there in age and by all, 
by all accounts, he looks great. But if there's like one injury to Nurkic, like this team craters, I, I don't love the vibes here. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. I, I, I like some of the guys on their bench. I like Josh Hart. Uh, I do like Josh Hart. And I think Shade and Sharp could actually be very solid for them coming off the bench too. I know. So he's he the like wild card, right? Role. Like he was the wild card draft pick. Right. Right. He um had tons of hype. He could have gone as early as fourth. Uh, he's kind of the mystery man. I'm just not sure he's going to be ready to produce at that level right sure. now. Sure. So uh, while I like it as a future pick potentially, but for this season, I'm not sure how it helps them. Yeah, that's fair. All right, moving on to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Oklahoma City Thunder at 23 and a half. Chet Holmgren, prize rookie, out with a, you know, a foot injury. I'm sorry, excuse me. They, you know, I was right, 23 and a half. Abby Wexler over under, what say you? I'm going to take an under. I think this is going to be one of those uh, winless for Wemby teams. I'm not really sure that once they found out that uh, Chet was uh, going to be out, I think for the rest of the year, uh, that they were going to be that competitive. I still don't really know how much I feel about SGA. I like him, but maybe it's just because he's on a small market team that hasn't been good for a while that I, I think he's like going to be a bright young star in the league as opposed to like an Anthony Edwards. So I'm going to take the under. I think they're going to be right in the hunt for uh, the tank. They have all these assets they've been piling up, and I, I'm sure they'll be continue uh, to be sellers uh, around the trade deadline and you know try to accrue more picks or just put themselves in a better position to uh, be in the top two for either Henderson or Wemby. I agree with you. I'm going to take the under as well. Now, if Chet was healthy, I actually, because of – how excited I was for Chet when I saw a couple of the summer league clips. Mm-hmm. And I know you don't pay attention to summer league. You don't pay attention to preseason, yeah. but there was just, you know, Chet is really interesting. And the fact that he's not there, I think they're going to go all the way the other way. And SGA is good enough. Like you saw when he played last year, they were borderline a 500 team. Sure. So yeah. I know we don't actually project trades here. I think they're gonna they're gonna look to move SGA so they can basically bottom out. Yeah, bottom out. Yeah. I I do like the other first round pick that they made, the guard. He looks like he can be a player, but I think they are going to do whatever they can do to ensure that they get a top two pick. And so I think they're gonna trade SGA. I actually think the New York Knicks would be interested in this and. Yeah, they're going to go under. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Moving on to last team in this division, the Utah Jazz. I think we're going to be in agreement on this one. They traded Gobert. They traded Donovan Mitchell. Their number is, I'm just going to check it. It is, I think, hold on, do I have it right? It is... Jazz, where are you? 24 and a half. Avi Wexler, I think we're going to be in agreement on this one. What say you? I can't believe it's not lower. Um, it's an easy under for me. I mean, this they literally have just traded away every significant player that they could uh, to be a competitive team. Uh, and I assume they'll be getting rid of Conley soon. 
uh, as well as Bogdanovich, unless he's already gone. But yeah, he's, I'm gonna, he's in is, he's in Detroit. Yeah, they already, exactly. They right. already got rid of him. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, I Ainge Ainge is uh, Ainge is really good at finding um, value uh, for some of the stars. He pulled off an absolute uh, fool's gold. Uh, wool over the face. I don't even know what the, the term is. I mean, just highway robbery for the Gobert deal. I, I, you and I both know Gobert is a very good defender who gets exposed in the playoffs and is very limited offensively. And I just don't understand what Minnesota was doing there. And for the haul that they got uh, and seeing what also they got for Donovan Mitchell, which I guess was a solid trade. I think that they're just in full tank mode. Ainge is looking at Wembenyama or Scoot Henderson uh, to be the new cornerstone for that franchise, and they're going to be right down there with the Thunder. We're in agreement. Uh, yeah. And they get back Colin Sexton in the Donovan Mitchell trade. Like, you, we've seen what happens when Colin Sexton is tasked to put up crazy numbers. Uh, he can do it. I mean, he scored 24 points a game one year. They won about 20 games. Yeah. So I I think Connolly will be gone. You know, it, a Sexton Larry Markinen run team, I I don't think is going to be very good. So yeah, I am with you on this one. I think they're going to trade Malik Beasley and anybody who's useful. They're going to do whatever they can do to maximize their odds for one of those two guys. This is a hard under for me as well. Yeah. All right, moving on to the Pacific Division, which may be the most interesting division in the entire NBA. Uh, we're going to start off with the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns last year were 64 and 18. That's a 780 winning percentage, 64 and 18. But their number right now is 52 and a half. They had some drama over the offseason with DeAndre Ayton. They got the extension done. This team is coming off an absolute ass kicking of a game seven against Dallas. Over under 52 and a half, Avi Wexler, what say you? Uh, I am tempted to go with the over. I think that the weirdness that was with Aiton has now subsided, especially given that they uh, that their owner, Sarber, is uh, no longer in the picture. Uh, I think whatever happened in uh, the Western Conference semis last year where there was some talk about COVID and the team just like came out less like flatlining uh to start game seven against luca i i don't know what happened there uh but i think it was a situation where just a lot a lot of drama that we don't really know about came to a boiling point uh and i think now like after a full off season i think they're going to be coming together and doing a lot better i i still like chris paul a lot i know you do too uh i like devin booker to continue to uh grow on his game he's still like in my opinion a top 15 player in the league uh, Aiton is still a very good center, uh, and I think now that he got the extension, I think he's going to be a bigger piece for them. They still have Bridges, and I like guys like Cam Johnson and Darius Sarge for them off the bench. I like Shamit a little bit. I think it's a very solid team in a, in a very interesting division, but I think they'll be right up there in the Western Conference. So I'm going to take the over. We're going to disagree on this one. I'm going to take yeah. the under, and it'd be like a slight under. But yeah. the vibes around this team are not great. They really aren't. Um, besides for how last year ended, the the Sarver situation is weird. The fact that they didn't get another like ball handler behind Chris Paul is a little weird. 
the Jay Crowder asking out. I mean, I know it's a it's a contract thing, but like, yeah, it just it just seems a little tenuous over there. Yeah, and I think that it's funny for for a team that was so great in the regular season last year and made the finals the year before. It's like, is their window already closed? And I, I think there's going to be a hangover this year. So I'm going to take a slight under. I think they're going to win a lot of games. I think they're going to win around 50, 51 games, even 52 games. But I just think the 52 and a half, I'm going to go a slight under. Sure. Golden State Warriors, who were 53 and 29 last year, the reigning NBA champions, their number is also at 52 and a half. They've had a little bit of drama this offseason. What say you? Over under. You cut out a little bit there. Can you say what the what the over under is? Fifty two and a half. Fifty two and a uh, half. Golden State Warriors. Uh, you know, I'm gonna say under. Uh, very very slight under for them. Um, I think what they were able to get out of Wiggins last year was incredible, but I'd like to see some consistency out of Wiggins before I can fully believe that he's a very good second or third option. Uh, and the same goes for Clay Thompson. I know that it takes a while to come back from uh, a one, one knee injury, let alone uh, two. Um, but Clay just did not look himself uh, in the playoffs last year. And I want to see if Jordan Poole is just a uh, different version of Tyler Hero or if he's actually a guy who is capable of a max. And I don't really see it with Draymond, especially with uh, what happened in the offseason. I feel like uh, the Warriors will say, oh, you know, it's not a big deal. He'll be fine. This is just like what Draymond does. I, I, I don't know. I, the punch was a pretty bad punch, and we can get into that maybe another time. But I, I don't yeah. know how you come back from that. I, I don't know. I, I don't think they did a lot to get that much better. We'll see what happens with Kaminga and with Wiseman. But for me, I'm not really buying on this team. And the fact that they lost Gary Payton Jr. I think really does matter to them. And replacing with Dante DiVincenzo – I don't really like that move for them either. So I feel like they'll still be good. They'll probably be closer to 50 wins than 52, which isn't saying much, but I'm going to take the under here. I'm going to go over. Okay. I know I'm kind of contradicting myself as being like a vibes guy that that matters going into seasons. But if there's any team that can get past the, the Draymond stuff, it's them. I think the young guys are going to get better. Like Moses Moody, they're raving about him. You know, Kaminga, I think, is going to get better. Like, he yeah. showed flashes last year. I think Clay Thompson's going to be a lot better. Sure. So, I just think the Warriors are going to be better. I think they're going to be a top two or three seed in the West, and normally those teams win about 55 games, so I'm going to go over. Yeah. Moving on along, another weird team, the Los Angeles Clippers. What do you know? This number is also at 52 and a half. Avi Wexler. Over under, what say you? Clippers are frauds. I, I'm never a believer in them. Kawhi can't get on the court. Paul George can't get on the court. And I don't really – I mean, like, yeah, like on paper, they're they're a very nice, deep team, and people are probably picking them to be the top seed in the West. But I'm going to take the under just because I don't believe that they have the guys who can uh, really gel. and They don't really have a leader. I, I feel like a lot of these teams in the West have a leader or a culture, and I don't think the Clippers have that. I feel like all those guys are kind of about taking care of themselves or they're very quiet or they're just fake tough. And to me, I just am not sold on that. 
What say you? I've gone back and forth on this a lot because I think Kawhi Leonard's going to have a really good season. I think he's going to come back and be awesome. Um, I think we've seen moments with Paul George, even when it was just him, that this team's really, really good. But continuity has has won a lot in the NBA recently, and there's just a lack of continuity there. So I'm going to take a slight under on the Clippers. Again, guys who've also had injury history. Mm-hmm. And it's year four of this Paul George, Kawhi Leonard thing, and it really hasn't resulted in a whole heck of a lot. So I'm going to go slight under, even though I do think they're a very dangerous playoff team. Sure. Potentially. At four, because we're going to switch the order around a little bit, the Sacramento Kings, their number is 33 and a half. Avi Wexler, what say you? I have a very strong opinion on this. Uh, I think you and I agree on this. I think it's going to be a strong, uh, strong feeling on the over. Uh, I really like what they're doing there as a team. I really like Sabonis. Uh, I think, you know, as weird of a trade it was for them at the time, I think it was actually almost basically last year you could treat uh, when the trade was made, you could almost treat it as like a preseason so that like the guys could actually get some chemistry together. I would happily take um, the over on this, but I think they're just going to be a fun team to watch. I, I believe in them fully, uh, especially on Sabonis. Hard over. This is a lock, an absolute lock. Because I think this team is going to get in the play-in tournament. If you saw the numbers with Fox and Sabonis at the end of last year, those numbers were great. I like the Kevin Herter pickup. I think Keegan Murray has a real chance of winning Rookie of the Year this year. Sure. I think he's going to fit. I know everybody was saying, like, same old Kings not taking Jaden Ivey or trying to trade down. But I, I think it's a better basketball team. I think they're going to be coached up uh, to play defense because that's Mike Brown's thing. I just like this team. I, I like the vibes there. You know, Davion Mitchell is – I'm not really sure where he's going to fit. Uh, if they're going to start him in Fox or if they're going to bring him off the bench. But I do know that he plays defense. You know, he gets into people. I just I think this team is finally going to break their playoff curse in the sense where they're going to be in the playing tournament. Now, are they going to get in the actual playoffs? I'm not sure. But Kings over – it's a lock. And for all those who are saying that they got killed in the Halliburton-Sabonis trade, like, I didn't realize Halliburton is is Chris Paul. Circa <laughs> 2008, the way people talk about him. I, that's news to me. I guess we're watching different sports then. But So, yeah, over on the Kings. Which brings us to the last team in this division, the Los Angeles Lakers. Los Angeles Lakers, LeBron James. Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, Pat Beverly, um, weird roster. The number's 44 and a half. What say you? I think that if you went in the time machine back like five years, it's an easy over. If you went back three years, it's a solid over. And if you went back last year, easy under this year i'm inclined to say a slight over and maybe we'll disagree on it but my reasoning is i just think that what you said when we were talking about the eastern conference teams i think that there are teams that are going to be tanking 
and the Lakers, I don't think, can go two years with LeBron and AD on this team without making the playoffs in a row. And they will give up the assets that they need to get some better players around them, whether that's what you were saying with Buddy Heald and uh, Miles Turner uh, from Indiana, or if they uh, wanted to and they wanted to dump off Russ Westbrook. I think I think that's where they're going to be headed. I'm just banking on a trade happening, and I'm also banking on LeBron's uh, greatness to lead them over 44. I really struggled with this one. Yeah. I really, really struggled with this one. Uh, a part of me just wants to say the under and laugh. Um, a part of me says, as much as I clown on Anthony Davis, that he's only 29 could he be the Anthony Davis of four years ago? Maybe. I come back to this. Who are their wing players that are going to play defense? Who is going to guard opposing point guards? I know Patrick Beverly has a reputation of, of you know, guarding guys, but I think his, his ability to stop penetrating point guards is a little bit overrated. I agree. So so who's playing defense on the perimeter here? And that's what I come back to. So I'm going to go under. And it's a bet against Anthony Davis because I just think yeah. he's brittle and I don't think he cares about being great at basketball. And if I hear from Laker fans how, like, Anthony Davis is, you know, they, they talk about him like he's a cross between Tim Duncan and Kevin Garnett, and it's just aggravating. So yeah. I am selling <laughs> the Lakers. Cut their tongues out. If anybody, if anybody tries to compare Duncan and Kevin Garnett to anybody in the league, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean, those those guys cared and were competitive. The other guy isn't. So yeah. I, I don't know, even know what else to say. It's it's yeah. absolutely maddening. So I'm gonna go under. A part of that is also me willing it to go under with my emotions, and so I can laugh at all my Laker fan friends when they're just shocked that this experiment did not go well. And they talk about bringing Russell Westbrook off the bench. Yeah, because that's going to go great after the first week and a half. Why not? To quote Russ, why not? Yeah, why not? Exactly. Why not? <laughs> I just I – don't, I don't see it. Okay, moving on to the Southwest Division. Last division, the Memphis Grizzlies, who were 56 and 26 last year, their number is 48 and a half. I'm taking the eight and a half. Easy Bobby over on that. What say you? You say easy over? Easy over. I think this is just this was a team last year that was that took a leap and is now going to be one of the top two or three teams in the conference. Um, I think Jaw's going to get better. I still like Dylan Brooks. I like Desmond Bain a lot. I bet they're going to be one of those teams around the deadline that's going to be making some moves. And I just I like the vibes around this team, and I think that a year older, a year wiser, and they're going to be a better team. I'm going to take the uh, over, especially given the fact that their conference is pretty weak. Or not conference, their division, sorry. I actually think this team overachieved a little bit last year. Okay. Um, I don't think they're quite a number two seed good. I think they took advantage of a year where the Clippers were at, all those guys were out. Um, the, who else? I mean, the Denver guys were out. Yeah. 
I think those are going to be two of the top three teams in the West. I think Golden State's going to be better. I think I've just – all that said, I'm also going over. Yeah. I think their coach is really good. I, I think a seven-point drop in wins is a little heavy. John Morant is awesome. They play hard. The Jaron Jackson thing makes me a little nervous, but if they win 50 games and are a six seed, which is definitely possible, like I still think that's a successful season for them. Yeah. I like their long-term prospects. They may have a trade to make. Give me the over 40, 48 and a half. I, I don't have it as a lock, but I definitely would be leaning that way. Yeah. That brings us to the Dallas Mavericks. An interesting Mavericks team that ended up making the conference finals last year. Their numbers also at 48 and a half. Avi Wexler, what say you? This one I struggled with because I don't want to bet against Luka. But, but I just I don't know what they really did in the offseason to build around him effectively. And I know that they're a team that can just get like 30 from basically a triple double from Luca and win because the rest of the team can just play defense and knock down threes. But I don't know. I I like Christian Wood for them. I don't know how much they're going to miss Jalen Brunson. Um, Could they make a move during the, during the deadline? A hundred percent. I just feel like they uh, overachieved last year uh, due to a weird uh, sun's collapse and 52 wins just seems like a lot from them even last year. So I'm going to take the under. I still think they'll be in the playoffs, but I think a slight regression and uh, I'll take the slight under. You and I are in agreement. I'm going to take the under. And in fact, I would bet them to be in the play-in tournament. I think that losing Brunson was huge. I think that it's very hard to find guys, guards, who can play alongside Luka. He's kind of like LeBron in that sense, where it's just, you know, he's so incredibly ball-dominant and heliocentric that it's hard to find guys to play alongside him. And Brunson kind of was that. And I think that losing him is big. I know Christian Wood, in theory, is like a great pick-and-roll partner, but he hasn't been in a winning situation, hasn't really proven that he's able to play winning basketball. Outside of Luka, I, I just don't love this roster. So I'm going to go under. The Western Conference is better. I think they're the third best team in this division. Okay, we're actually zooming through these Western Conference teams, which brings us to what I think is the most interesting team in this division, the New Orleans Pelicans. The Pelicans number is, and I can't find it on my sheet, so we're going to find it here, is 44 and a half, according to the Action Network. Uh, Zion Williamson looks like he's slimmed down. Brandon Ingram, full year of C.J. McCollum, Herb Jones, 44 and a half, Avi Wexler, what say you? So last year without Zion, they finished with what, 36 wins I'm looking at right now. I feel like if they get uh, reinvigorated and engage Zion, they should hit that mark. So I'll take the over because I'm believing in Zion. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I like Herb Jones a lot. 
Uh, I'm a big fan of Brandon Ingram. I feel like he's very underrated for them. And I think that they're starting to form a bit of an identity. And I think that given some of the struggles that are going to be in their division, let alone the West as a, as a whole, I think that they should be, you know, maybe an eight seed, probably a play-in team, but at least because they were a play-in team last year. Uh, so I would say that they do get better just by having Zion there. I'd say they're 10 wins better than they were last year. Eight wins and remember, better. And remember last year they started out horrifically. Yeah. Like they got yeah. off to that absolute disgusting start where they couldn't win any games. Yeah. This is an interesting team to me because, you know, when Zion was healthy, it was all about Zion, point Zion, and, you know, he was an absolute monster. I don't think they're going to nearly lean into that as much uh, because, you know, Brand Ingram took a leap and it was very clear. And like Ryan Russillo has talked about this all the time that like Brandon Ingram wasn't cool with point Zion just doing all this kind of stuff and just yeah. him standing around in the corner watching what's happening, right? Watching the action. Having said that, like it's, this is like, if every team has a pecking order, when Zion Williamson is healthy, this team has a pecking order. Yeah. They don't have a natural point guard. CJ McCollum is not a natural point guard. So they're expecting him to be the veteran presence table setter. And he did a decent job of it last year. But again, Zion is a major mouth to feed. Yeah. In in, in this sense and in integrating him back. It's going to be an interesting fit. I love Herb Jones. I like the fact that Valanciunas does compliment them nicely. I will probably go over as well i don't feel great about it because i do think eventually they're gonna have to make a choice between brandon ingram and zion williamson and i think they're gonna have to trade one of them but i i think this team goes over 44 and a half wins i also I wouldn't I be think... surprised if they had a crazy you know yeah playoff stretch like they did last year um and almost winning that first round series I also like some of their other guys. Like I like Jose Alvarado. Like he kind of is like one of those like tenacious little uh, defenders. I like Dyson Daniels, the rookie from Ignite, who they uh, drafted this year. Uh, yeah. I'm not. I'm not out on Jackson Hayes, and I. I also like Devontae Graham. I think if if Graham is healthy, he's like a good six man for you that can you know kind of help that second unit score and uh, and maybe uh, take some of the load off for the team. You're definitely right about the McCollum piece. Like, if he can kind of shift his game to become more of a facilitator and kind of a, a floor general for them, he'll do that. This team will definitely go a lot further. So I think, yeah, I, I think it's a it's a very close to but slight over. Yeah. All right, which brings us to the Houston Rockets, who were twenty and sixty-two last year. Got a you know third overall pick, Jabari Smith. Their number right now is 23 and a half. Avi Wexler, over, under, what say you? Uh, I think this is an easy under. I think this is going to be a top five worst team in the league, or I guess technically bottom five team in the league. I don't really think that they've done anything to make themselves better, unless you think that Jabari Smith is like another Evan Mobley type, because, you know, he is 6'11 and has all these uh, incredible measurables. But you know, as good you can, as hold on. you can like Jabari Smith a lot. He is not Evan Mobley. That's my, but right. So like my point is like, I, I, as good as Jabari Smith could be, like, I don't think he'll be enough to make this team any better than it was last year. I, I, I would take the under. I like Jalen Green. I like Jabari Smith. 
I'm okay with Kevin Porter Jr. I'm okay with Kenya Martin Jr. I just Eric Gordon's probably not going to be on the team come trade deadline. Tari Eason, eh, I don't know. I Boban is just a fun guy to have on the team, but like does more John Wick movies than he does actual like you know games. So I would just I I, I don't really see it with this team. I think they're right in the hunt for Wembenyama or Scoot. We're going to disagree. I'm okay. going to go over because if Jalen Green is what they say he is and he showed flashes that he is, I think this team's going to play hard. Like, I think they're kind of like Orlando East in a sense. So they're not as deep. They don't have as many good players, but like they've got a couple of young players that they want them to play hard. They want to, and they want to win. Like, Jalen Green wants to try and be an all star this year. He's not going to be. But he's going to try to be. So I think they're going to be a slight over. Okay. I, I just I just don't think they're going to just shut it down and be as terrible. I think Jabari Smith is going to add an element. I think he's going to, you know, be credible defensively right away. Um, and I just – it's it's a bet on, on Jalen Green's pedigree and taking the next step. And you saw that they were super competitive at the end of last year also. So – I mean, could they win five more games than they did last year? Yeah, I think that's incredibly reasonable. Sure. Yeah. Which brings us to our last team, the San Antonio Spurs, 34 and 48. Last year, this year, their over-under is 22 and a half. I think we're both in agreement on this one. Yeah, Western Conference champs, here they come. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I mean, easy, easy under, uh, this team just flat out sucks. I, I don't know what they're doing. I mean, I know what they're doing They're They're tanking for Wembenyama or they're tanking for Scoot. Uh, there's nobody on this team who I think could start at any position, uh, for anybody in this league. So yeah, I, the worst team in the league, in my opinion. Well, Jakob Pertl could start for teams. He he'd be, he'd be a starting center. I think this guy Jeremy Sohan is an interesting rookie. Having said that, I can't see a scenario where this isn't the worst team in the league. This is like as blah as blah gets. And in a team in a league where it's as talented as ever, they have by far the least amount of collective talent. By far. Now, does, you know, the fact that Popovich is the coach scare me a little bit just because it's kind of like the Belichick thing where, you know, Popovich will elevate the team a little bit? I don't think so. I don't think the NBA is nearly enough like the NFL like that. This team is talent poor to say the least. They were on the Wimbanyama thing early by trading DeJounte Murray. 22 and a half. This is an under. Like, they won't be the worst team in NBA history, but they may win 18 games. They'll, they'll definitely be approaching that Charlotte Bobcats territory. They're, they're going to be horrible. I, but the, my real question is, whose team is it going to be? Is it going to be Zach Collins or Keita Bates-Diop? Which, who's fighting for supremacy on that team? <laughs> I mean, it, that is absolutely miserable. So we're in agreement under 22 and a half. I didn't make it one of my locks, but it may be a bonus lock. So we said at the beginning of all this, you had to pick five locks. 
your five locks are? Uh, my five locks are, I think almost not to be uh, cheeky with the puns, but they are in lockstep with you for the most part. Uh, five locks are over on the 76ers, uh, under on the, uh, on the Spurs, under on the Hornets, over on the Nuggets, and under it, no, fifth, the fifth and final under is uh, under on the Jazz. All right, so we have a couple of different ones. So I have over on the Kings. That's a lock. Nuggets over 49 and a half. Lock that one up. Lock yep. up Philly over 50 and a half. Yep. I have the Orlando Magic over 26 and a half as a lock. I also have the Charlotte Hornets under 36 and a half as a lock. And the two bonus ones, and a couple actually bonus ones. Pistons over 29 and a half. The, what was the other one? Um, the Nets under 51 and a half is another one I really, really like. Yeah. And the Spurs, well, I don't have it as a lock, but it's basically, essentially it is as a bonus lock. 22 and a half under for the Spurs. So, that, so let me tell yeah. So yeah, let, me, let me let me tell you what I did. I I forgot I ever got to my honorable mention locks. So I I, I took the under on the Wizards also, and mm-hmm. the over and the over on the Kings as you said before, uh, and I actually did a bit of a parlay uh, because you know it wouldn't be a Friday without a parlay. Um, I put together the under on the Hornets, the over on the Pistons, the over on the Seventy Sixers. The under on the Wizards and the over on the Kings, that comes out to plus 15.04. Love it. Absolutely love it. Love it. So I'll, I'll put you in for $10 on that. I'll take the other 10. We'll, co- we'll go home very, uh, very moderately richer than what we were before. You got it. I am 100% in with you on that. Avi Wexler, this was great. The marathon episode has come and gone, but this is one of my favorite episodes to do every year. Thanks for uh, fighting the technical difficulties. Thanks for the time, and uh, we'll speak soon, bud. Happy Friday. Thanks for having me again. This was awesome. Thanks again to recurring guest Avi Wexer for coming on to do NBA Over Unders, one of my favorite podcasts to do that I do basically every single year. Good stuff from him. I really feel confident about my locks this year, more so than I have in a while. So look out for that. We'll monitor that throughout the year. Let's go Yankees, let's go Rangers, let's go Giants. Maybe the Knicks won't hurt me so much. That's episode 179 for the love of the game. Take us out, Fabo and Ducking all the crabs, eating all the lobster. Uh-huh. Hopping out like Fendi off the helicopter. Say less. Say less. Been through hell and back, but didn't pray less. Pray less. Never been stingy with a paycheck. Paycheck. All my brothers eating like the Wayans. Wayans. They ask me for my help, I tell them say less. Say less. Been through hell and back, but didn't pray less. Pray less. Never been stingy with a paycheck. Paycheck. All my brothers eating like the Wayans. They ever need my help, I tell them say less Thank you for listening to Believe You can show support to your host By subscribing to the show And giving us a 5 star rating On your preferred platform Check us out at Believe.com And search for B-L-E-A-V On YouTube